Welcome to the first episode of the One More K podcast. Hey, Ned, how are you doing? Marcus, honestly? Yes, let's do this. You know, I was once told the hardest step is the first step. And once you do that, every step you take sends you in a certain direction. So we're going to find out which direction we're going. Very true. I was thinking about how we got around to all of this, to this new project of us. And I went back to our trail runs in Singapore. Both of us are passionate trail runners. You are becoming a legend in Singapore, Ned. And we have circled around the McRitchie Reservoir so many times. It's been great. Yep. Uh, despite your age, you always have been a bit faster than me. That's not true. I've been always trying to catch up. <laughs> You're a bit faster. Maybe I'm a bit farther. Uh, faster and farther. Uh, not farther, but further. Further is the right one. <laughs> That's true. Year further. But we've been talking about so much trail stuff the last six, seven years, and sometimes business talk, yeah, but mostly trail. So we felt strongly about why don't we just record all our conversations in a podcast. And now that the new, has, new year has started, there's new adventures happening for all of us. And it's time to put all this knowledge you have, especially into the wide open and start this so-called podcast endurance run and we are excited to get it you know, going always people tell you there's too many podcasts right it's like oh there's so many podcasts mm. but uh, for us obviously you know we always enjoy talking you have your great business i'm passionate about ultra running there isn't much talk from ultra from within asia obviously we're going to talk about global but as you say because i'm older i actually started my first ultra run was when i was 14 i did a 24-hour run in the scottish hills but i've really been passionate about ultra for 30 years and i promise you there's never been more excitement about trail and ultra than today i mean this just absolutely feels like this is it feels almost like the start of ultra that's not true but it feels like we're at the the second wave, third wave, whatever it is. So felt the right time to do this podcast. Yeah, I guess I'm a bit younger. So for me, this is the first wave, but I'm sure for you, maybe it's yeah, second or third wave. Because you're based in Singapore. You've been based in Southeast Asia, Asia for 25 years? Yeah, 32 years now. Holy moly. So I'm just counting 10. <laughs> I mean, I'm based in Vietnam right now. And I've been exposed to Southeast Asian trail running quite a bit the last few like almost half a decade. Oh, I can say this now, half a decade. And uh, you've been around the block but much longer, which is great. I think that gives us good perspectives to this. And that's also, I think, because we are based in this region, what we're doing has a bit more of an Asian spin to it. We do want to cover global endurance trail running, but of course, just because by the nature of where we are based, we're going to probably have a bit more of an Asian spin, which you say I think is exciting. Yeah. And why don't we do this? Like, I know you, you know me. But uh, our listeners, I think we've told them we're going to talk about trail, ultra. You know, we'll probably get into some other endurance stuff, but it's trail and ultra. But why don't we tell them who we are so at least they know. They're, they're, some people might see us on video, but if you're listening, who is us? Marcus, why don't you go first, man? Well, you might have guessed by now <laughs> I have, have a German accent, so I happen to be German, German engineer. But most of my life, I've been building businesses first in tech. So I've been doing some tech stuff in, in London and had great time there with clean tech and some children tech and then moved to Singapore where I met Unet and we both spent a bit of time in fintech and I was more on the investment side. So I spent time running early stage investment funds into fintech, um, 
very different to what we're doing right now, but exciting enough to get to know the region of you know, Singapore, Vietnam, Thailand, and so on. And then the last four years, or actually four years ago, I decided to spend more time in Vietnam, given that I wanted to prepare myself for the 100K races I was doing and multi-day and multi-stage races. So I packed my bags, left the island of Singapore and moved to the highlands of Vietnam to get to know what's going on here and have better climate as well, to be honest, a bit more European climate here in Vietnam uh, in certain parts. Yeah, and then from a long, long, long training runs, I started a company that is focused on nutrition for endurance sports, which is called Lekka. And yeah, so I've been based here and I've been really enjoying to build up the company in the last yeah, few years now. I, uh, uh, that is a good summary, but uh, I, is this true? You are the only German ultra runner running a nutrition brand in Vietnam. Uh, in Asia. What? Yeah. <laughs> For now. <laughs> it, I, yeah, I remember true. when we met and you, you, know, you were fintech investment. I was running a fintech startup. Both of which are very hard. Ultra running's hard. Investing in startups is hard. Running a startup is hard. But you told me you were going to go to Vietnam and had this kind of idea of a nutrition energy brand. I was like, all right, this dude's crazy. But you know what? I'm going to cheer him on because it would be cool. So you've been, you've been a great supporter. And uh, just, I mean, it was almost natural to kind of do something together. And now we're even doing more together. It's, just, it's amazing. But yeah, what's, what's your story, Ned? Uh, yeah. Well, look, I am 56. So uh, getting, getting on a bit, half century. But, you know, I'm not a big fan of getting worried about age. So I uh, grew up in Scotland, uh, self-sufficient mainly. So we live in a little house in the countryside, uh, caught our own food. And the basis of my endurance is that I walk two miles to school a day and two miles home. So four miles a day from the age of four, which I didn't think anything of. It just felt normal. But I think that was good base. And moved to Asia 32 years ago and have been in sales ever since, selling mainly financial stuff, online trading, equities, and then after a really good long career at the age of 48, I saw all these kids doing fintech. I'm like, how hard can that be? And they found out it was really, really, really hard, really hard. But, you know, what doesn't kill you? Or, you know, all of that. It was an ultra and a half. Didn't quite make it to the end, but we got close, man. Um, but throughout all of that, I think maybe from growing up in the countryside of Scotland, walking to school, catching food. I did a 24-hour ultra race when I was 14 in the Scottish Hills. And I just did it because some friends asked. And, you know, when friends ask you to do things when you're a kid, you want to join in. And I just thought, oh, this is cool. And I didn't do much more of that until I was 28 in Hong Kong. And for you listeners who are in Asia, you will know that Hong Kong holds probably, I'm going to say, one of Asia's most iconic endurance ultra trail races called the Mackle House or the Trail Walker, which is a 100K unusually teams of four so quite an unusual format i joined that and it was amazing and that started the love of ultra endurance i spent a long time running tried to break three hours in the marathon got a 302 which brought some tears to my eyes didn't quite get there um spent like six years in ironman with a dream of going to kona qualified and went to kona which was you know it was great but you know it, to be honest a bit more bragging than anything else and it was just another race and since the age, certainly since the age of 50, I've always loved ultra and trail and always done some longer stuff. Really got back into it in the last few years. Super passionate, running more and more and got into backyard. And I just, I love it all. I, I read every history book on ultra. I'm sure in this pod, we're going to talk about the pedestrianism of the 1880s through to Janos Kuros, the great 
who settled to today and to the iconic moment when Courtney was mobbed at the UTMB like it was the Tour de France. So that's me, passionate, love it, love talking, love running. And yeah, I just, just came back from a little run in the jungle. And I feel super fortunate that in Singapore, even though it's a tiny island, we have some amazing trails. So always good to get out. You just, uh, I think, also humble there because you are super into backyard. And last year you came, what was it? In the backyard Third. position of the backyard? Third in Singapore. Third in Singapore. You are very hooked on the whole backyard. Um, we, we will train. I, I truly hope we will be covering backyard. I know it's not for everybody. <laughs> I get that. But I think we can all appreciate what Harvey Lewis did at 107 hours. Yeah. Like, no, like, just mind-numbing i'm sure we're going to talk about lazarus lake i'm going to ask lads to be on the show i'm going to tell you listeners keep listening because one day we're getting lads the great man to talk about true and running this is uh we have a lot to cover uh, a lot of potential of, also for this podcast and we are taking it step by step just like an endurance race these are the first three steps of a hundred miler and as you might know it's gonna you know you have to get feel the rhythm get with the rhythm And um, the first checkpoint is coming at some point, but let's see how that goes. But like any other trail run, let's plan out a bit and let's predict a bit what's going to happen this year. But I'm so curious to hear from you what you think is going to happen this year in the world of trail running. And we have, of course, some data from last year and we have a lot of big events. You already mentioned UTMB where well, there's also some drama happening. We will cover it later. But let's dig into the athletes first. Like, Who do you think this year on the female side is going to rule and be the queen of trail running, whether it's globally or in Asia? I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. And so I'm not going to go for one. I do have some individuals. Mm. I, and I don't know if this will be a popular view, but I'm always a believer in you. Say your view. Money is changing our sport. We used to race for belt buckles. So for, for anybody who knows of the Western states, you get a belt buckle, hard rock. There's no money. And, and it's great. Look, look, this is the reality of sport, right? It gets popular. We cannot deny now that trail running, while still a niche, is no longer the niche it was. You know, I was watching, as I told you, Mark, I was watching TV and the Ford advert used a trail runner to show what was aspirational. With money, I, here's what I think happens. It's the breakout college stars. It's the breakout African runners. Let's think about this. Let's say you're a 207 marathoner in Kenya. You're not even top 50. 207 is not doing it anymore. You're not making money running a 20. Maybe if you are American or, or, or from the UK, you're top. But let's say you're in Africa and you're running 207. You'll make a little bit. I would say these runners never came to trail before because there was no money, but there is. And if you recently saw one of the great records ever, the Pikes Peak Marathon, the ascent had a record from 1990 by Matt Carpenter. It wasn't broken. It was George spoken the other day by a French guy, but the two behind, two African runners. So I would say on the female side, we're going to see, and I can't remember her name right now. I'll think of it in a minute. There's breakout college stars. There are college stars coming in the U.S. and Africa who are just off professional in track, half marathon, full marathon, 
And these names, it's not the Courtney, because we know Courtney, right? It, it is, you know, the people, Katie Scheid, who we know today. Obviously, the Asian runners, maybe you can cover more of that. But I, my prediction is an unknown college track star from America or African female runner who makes the jump over in their 20s and dominates. And you think that's especially because of the new sponsorship, the money coming in, so they do see the potential to make a living or at least have some income through through that. Absolutely. There's been no, you know, nobody did ultra for a living, right? Like it wasn't, sure, I think Killian's reinvented, but he has real soul and he's making real money. But nobody, you know, Jim Walmsley, Zach, but like we live in Asia. Do you think there is any Asian female athlete making a proper living today in trail? I, I know for a fact they don't. They're trying, but they don't. Could So the, yeah. the question is, is, I predict that a, either an Asian female star or an unknown female star comes across and starts to make real money. And they come for the money rather than for the soul. Whether that's a good thing, we'll find out. But that's my prediction of, for 2024, particularly on the female side. I mean, I can, on, the, on the Asian side, I can only highlight two females, which we're both kind of close to. It's Hao Ha from Vietnam, which has come close fourth at the UTMB uh, CCC. Um, there's a famous video of her overtaking Emily Forsberg. Uh, to I remember. One. I remember that some of the UTMB uh, commentators were surprised to say, who is this girl? Like, we don't even pronounce how to pronounce her name. Uh, so how high is someone to watch for sure? She's a mountain goat from north of Vietnam. And then, of course, Somaya Buddha from, from Nepal, based in uh, Hong Kong, who's also, I think, pushing it, has been a bit injured earlier last year. But we, we, I think we have hope for her her to, to really also become uh, number top top three in, in the world. And, and we must shout out Ryan Blair for what he did because when he put when he gave the ability to Sunmaya to really show her potential, he couldn't get a sponsor, so he put his hands in his own pocket and he put the money on the table. And let's face it, at CCC last year or maybe two years ago, 2022, Sunmaya, if that race had been 5K longer, longer she would have won. She yeah. would have won. Yeah. She was closing down on yeah. uh, Natalie Blondine, who won. She was. I think you're right. I think when an Asian, particularly on the female side, wins a big yeah. race. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sumaya just signed a sponsorship with the Chinese brand Kailas yesterday. So in terms of money, it's wow. Coming, uh, and, and, yeah. So FYI, we, we don't endorse any brands we, we mention here. So it's not like we have any. Any contracts signed? <laughs> it's all just just talk. Yeah. All right, moving on to the males. What's going on on the male side? Um, any other? Do you think something similar is happening with uh, some track stars or other stars coming into into trail, or do you have other views on the male athletes? I, I have one in particular where I think he's coming back. He's got uh, Adam Peterman uh, from the U.S. Unbeaten. He won Western States two years ago. Got injured. Unbeaten over a hundred. He came straight. He came from college. He came from, it's, a, so it's the same theme. He came from college. So in America, he's, he's pretty well known. You know, of course, the American with, with Jim and Zach going one, two at UTMB finally kind of broke into the European scene. Clearly the European scene is, is, is super strong. But I think Adam Peterman comes back from injury and starts to dominate on the Asian side. So, you know, here's my prediction. Crazy. And you know me. I'm such a passionate fan of Laz. I think Tomo finishes Barkley. That's my prediction for 2024. Tomokazu, who is the great Japanese race director and great runner, he's passionate. We have never had anyone from Asia finish Barkley. And my prediction is he finishes Barkley this year. What 
What a, what a, what a crazy, amazing thing that would be. It's, uh, yeah, I think that could be just nationality-wise quite fascinating to have more of the Asian runners, of course, make these big races. I hear you. I think I would agree. I, I, don't, I don't have a name in mind, to be honest, but I do think that also... I do think the Asian females are stronger globally, uh, but I also think that, that there is a lot of grit in, in the Asian males, and I do think they, they will also come out in certain races. Now, I mean, the Chinese also very strong at UTMB, so I think my prediction is that some Chinese will win CCC this year. Uh, I think that's kind of where I, I, I'm curious. So, so just some thought here. So, so I think maybe the theme in, in, in our podcast is, because I suppose I've been in ultra a little bit longer, here's a question. I don't know if we can answer it. For the longest time, American women did really well overseas. So American woman won UTMB years ago. A lady called Rory Bozio became seventh overall 10, 12 years ago. Courtney won it. It has been won many times. American men took forever to get there overseas. And again, we're seeing the Asian woman dominate, not the Asian men. I wonder if there's, I don't know if there's any rationale for this, but certainly Ultra shows us that women seem to travel and race better. And if it's just a coincidence or if you have any thoughts, but it's clear that Asian women are dominating more on the global ultra scene than Asian men. I have only a snarky little comment to make. <laughs> that is, tri running is one of the most inclusive sports on the planet because women are as equal as men. And it's really, it's amazing how, you know, whether 100 miler, male and female, actually equally strong. So if you talk about inclusivity these days, which is an important topic in some nations, I think chair running is very inclusive but, 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 and very equal. You know, honestly, Marcus, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. I mean, we know Courtney wins races. Maggie Guttrell wins races. You know, women, the further we go, these 200-mile races, you know, women are regularly top three, top two, top one. They're winning. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's just this reality that it is one of the most equal sports. Sure, there is a men's winner and a women's winner. But the further we go, the clearer it is. Yeah, I would love to have some data as well on sponsorships there at some point to see if if brands pay women and men equal. I mean, I can imagine that a Courtney makes as much as as, as, a, as a male com- competitor. Um, so we, we, yeah. we can't go this whole episode without saying what Courtney is doing. To sp- yeah. you know what a great what a great question. Does Courtney mm. make as much? Mm. Well, maybe not as Killian. That might not be a fair comparison because Killian has transcended. But are the top women, and, you know, Courtney, I think, would raise the bar for everybody. So do the people yeah. right next door, Katie Scheid, Natalie Blondine, the, the other ladies who are doing it, you know, and what is the step down? You just mentioned that Sunmaya got sponsorship. But we know, we don't know, but we're going to assume it's lower but at least it's rising. So the rising tide, great question. Maybe a good prediction that the, the sponsorships well, will be equal. Yes, that's correct. Let's, let's find out throughout this, this year. Next prediction for this year, I have um, talking about UTMB. And there's always a big thing about which nationality wins UTMB. We all know people carry the flags into the finish line. Which nationality do you think will win the 100 mile this year at UTMB? What's your prediction? Which nationality? Well, I don't think Jim's doing it. I know Zach's not doing it. Uh, mm. So I think the American men will suffer. I think Francois Dane comes back, and I think France reclaims it. That would be my prediction. I think Francois, I follow him on Strava. He's doing all the right, thi- well, all the right things he's doing. He's, he's been injured. I think Francois comes back and shows that maybe he is the greatest at 100 miles. Killian's the greatest mountain athlete, but over 100 miles, I think Francois wins. And you? Yeah, I would also predict a French. I think also French will, 
will come back. I think they uh, they want to show the Americans what they got, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> and not just not just good wine they have. <laughs> so, what's your prediction on how many loops will? happened this year at the backyard oh my god and you told us we only had an hour for this podcast i could talk about this for the rest of my life um harvey did something I, i'm going to assume that everyone who listens to this knows what backyard is and i'm going to assume most of you know that harvey did 107 loops in one of the greatest races of all time and i whether you watched it or not i hope you watched a little bit backyard has an ability to capture imagination because you can pop in every hour and it you know it started on sunday and it finished on thursday um Harvey, Harvey said he could have gone on through the night. So they finished, sorry, through the day, excuse me. They finished at sunrise, 107 loops, right? Harvey looked good. I think Harvey can get into the sixth, the fifth, finish the four and a half, fifth day, start to get into the sixth day. I think we're going over 120 because I think once they get into the 110s, 12s, the lure of entering the sixth day, five complete days. So five times 24 is 120. And remember, Biggs is the hardest, is a very hard course. The night loop is hilly, 384 feet of elevation gain on each loop, whereas the road is a little flatter. I think we're going into the sixth day. Here's the real question, Marcus. Can we go a week? It's possible. I don't think this year, though. I, I predict sub-100 loops. I think we're going to have... I pick a number, 96. I think that's a good number. You mean just the bigs or best in the best overall for the whole year? Best of all this year. Yeah. Yeah. That's a match. Sam, uh, Sam Harvey, Phil Gore, uh, 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 Harvey. Uh, there's so many. John Knoll, Maggie, Corny. I, I, you know what? I would love to see some Maya have a go. Like, are we going to get these mm. athletes? I, I respect your view, but I'm willing to bet a dollar that it's going over 100. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Switching quickly to, to my home country, I wanted to hear your prediction for the Berlin Marathon winning time. Kel this is also Kelvin Kiptum won 59 and change, I think. Now, have you, have, have, you watched, have you watched him covering the last 10K of a marathon? Have you watched him? I have not, no. For all you people out there, watch it. His stride, he looks un hindered by muscle fatigue. It's astonishing. I don't think Elliot gets there. I think Elliot, who is the GOAT? I think Kelvin Kipton puts down a 159 and change. What do you think? I think it's still just scratching above two. So I'm, again, picking a number, two minutes, uh, two hours, uh, like 30, 45 seconds around, along those lines. It's going to get close, but I, I still don't think we're going to break two hours this year. It's yeah. It's fair. It's, 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 it's tight. tight. It's tight. And last but not least, what's, what's your view on the Asian FKTs for this year? What are your predictions there? Are there any big FKTs happening? Here's the, here's the really interesting question. And maybe it's a cultural thing. So again, we're going to assume everyone knows when FKT is fastest known time. There's a fantastic website. You can see it. There's FKTs across America, the long trails, the Pacific Crest Tail, the Continental Divide, the Appalachian Trail. There's right now, for example, there's the Spine Race, which is up the spine of the UK, the Pennine Way. There's FKTs, you know, I think we all know the, the Bob Graham round and the three great rounds in the UK, I'm sure maybe in Germany and Europe. We just don't seem to have FKTs in Asia. Like, do people do them in Vietnam or in Thailand? Like, there is a, you know, a few cross Singapore or my prediction is we start to 
actually see FKTs as a real thing in Asia, because as of today, it's barely a thing. But we have some amazing trails in Hong Kong and Vietnam, and Thailand and Malaysia. I mean, Singapore barely, but and obviously in Japan. My prediction is that FKTs actually come alive and people start to do them. And because, you know, why do an FKT? There's no money. It's just for yourself. But I think it's a cool thing. Do you see any FKTs in Vietnam? Well, I, I can claim I registered the first FKT on the website in Vietnam. What? That was my uh, thing four years ago. There is one great route from Dalat, the highlands, down to a city called Na Chang. And it's a beautiful, kind of fairly actually steep route down. So it's, it drops 1,000 meters in elevation, 120 kilometers. I registered it. It's, it's quite iconic. So you usually take a bike or you take a car or something, but you can go down from the highlands down to the coast. Beautiful. And it's kind of a serpentine road down. I have not done it yet, but it's registered. And I don't think anyone has yet tried it. But it's I at the time, four years ago, I was registering the first one. So I need to double check. I'm very curious. Now, I don't think many more have been added to the FKT website. I do know that the Southeast Asians, at least, are you know doing a lot of ultra distance stuff, but it's usually just with on loop, right? So it's this very systematic approach of let's just get this one loop down in my my backyard. Basically, it's not a backyard backyard, but it's it's still like hey, I know this one street. Let me just circle it a thousand times. Yeah. I mean, in, during during COVID, we had these crazy stories where someone just went up and down the staircase a lot, and I think that's it. Seems to be people are very good here at just switching off the mind and doing one thing. But FKTs, yeah, I think you're right. They're going, we're going to see them more. I think it has also to do with that people have done, like the good athletes have done many races. I think there may be a bit of a race fatigue. You would have to travel really far out, like to America or you, to Europe. Visa-wise, not easy. Flight-wise, not easy. So people looking for something new. And yeah, an FKT could be a good alternative for someone to try it out. But I do think that just the culture in Asia is more about your group being together, going to race together. It's more of a herd thinking. So an FKT is a bit more of an individualistic thing to do it. And I, 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 just what I see here, it's not necessarily a thing to do things by yourself so much. It's really about training partners, race partners. So, but yeah, I do, it, let's see. I'm curious to see which, which, which big FKT in Asia will be cracked this year. Let's see. Let's see if we can both find one and go do one, put our names up there. Oh, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, well. So where the world is talking about, or Ray Dahl, you're talking about a changing world order. Um, we're not going to go into this at all here, but we have maybe a change in the trail world order happening, and we see how certain races are dominating. We, of course, know what happened with UTMB the last few years where they partnered slash being acquired by the Ironman group that has changed the image and the organization and the whole system of UTMB really to get your stones, travel to races, um, become an Ironman-like organization. We, I hope most of us have heard about the, the Whistler scandal, confusion, misunderstanding, depends who you ask, I guess. And that has also changed the perspective on UTMB, especially in North America. So, What's happening, Ned? And what do you think is the, the, the rhythm for the trail world this year that we're going to see? Growing pains, you know. Remember when you were a teenager and you had angst, right? And didn't quite know what to do. You know, trails, 
even though maybe not on this show, but we'll do history one day because, you know, trail's been around a long time. But I think right now we are facing this. It's, it's you know, money's great. Everyone needs money. But when money comes into a sport that didn't have it, and particularly, you know, Ironman, I spent 10 years in Ironman. And when Ironman got taken over by private equity, we all grumbled as well, right? Prices doubled. Races became more about just, you know, in the sausage machine, get athletes in, get them out, the one and dones, right? It was quite famous. Do one, get an Iron Man tattoo, and then, and you didn't know who, you know, Sienna, Mark Allen, or Dave Scott, or Chris McCormack, or the greats were, or Natasha Badman. And, and that Iron Man, you know, it's lost a lot of love. And so when Iron Man came to Ultra, there was already this kind of uneasy feeling in your tummy. And it didn't take much, you know, probably the whole Gary Robbins whistler thing. It's probably it's blown out of proportion because people already give the benefit of the doubt away from Iron Man. You know, they're, I'm sure they're good people. They go home and they, you know, just doing their best. Unfortunately, you know, there's money in trail now. And Iron Man has not shown to have the best reputation when it comes to athlete care or money care. Money, money, money. Athletes, athletes. Hey, look, but we all got to run a business, right? So I do think, here's the interesting thing. Will athletes, pro athletes, not go to UTMB? I think it's hard, man. Like, you got to make a living, right? That's what they said. You know, Jim Walmsley put on his Strava when the whole Gary thing went down. He put on his Strava. So what to race next year? Question mark. Now, that's Jim. Only he won it. Mm. I think it's growing pains. I think, I think trail just does become Ironman. I think there's enough people who are just getting into trail. I think it becomes Ironman, and I think it becomes a money sport, and that's kind of sad, but I don't think we can stop it. Do you think that's going to bring out new dynamics in this world? Like, are there alternatives popping up? Is this a call back to the roots? Um, I mean, because I believe everything that goes to one extreme also brings out another extreme. You know, it has to be some kind of balance. The yin and yang of trail running. So the, the UTMB takes it to the more commercial extreme. What do we see on the other side happen? Lazarus Lake. You know, again, look, I, I, I'm three years ago, Laz on April the 1st put out a note that he'd been brought by Ironman. And it was, a again, Laz, I don't know if all of you who read Laz, but he, he's a poet. He writes beautifully. He writes beautifully. And he wrote this really beautiful post about, you know, Everything has to come to money in the end, and he's not immune to it. So he sold Backyard and Barclay to Iron Man, and he wishes them well. And people were like, what? No. Of course, it was April 1st. Uh, the soul of – there's always these little races that won't get brought out, right? So by UTMB, not everybody, right? Not everybody. I think, you know, Laz is never selling Barclay, right? Barclay will always be weird, Right. And there was enough weird races. So I think the dynamics, but I think, you know what, you know what the biggest thing changes? So when I was 20, no one did marathons. If you did a marathon, you were amazing. Today, everyone does a marathon. Now it's, can you do an ultra? Very few people do ultra. I think what changes is everyone's going to do an ultra. Ultra is the new marathon. Ultra is the new marathon. That's the dynamic change. The one and done. Oh, I did a 50K. I'm an ultra runner. Let's go. And nothing wrong with that. Hey, if, if we, if you said we won't touch on world dynamics, If everybody was an ultra runner, the world would be a better place. And why is that, Ned? Because ultra <laughs> runners overwhelmingly are good people. Why? Because here's the thing, my little rant for the day. 
stop people if you're listening to this podcast when you do an ultra race and people say oh i don't know why i do it you do know you're so lucky that your life is so lovely that you can go out and suffer for your own enjoyment when most of the world is really suffering think how lucky you are that this is what you can do and if the whole world could feel that suffering and if you're listening i use a little inverted commas it's amazing and i think it teaches you a lot of lessons i think the world would be calmer less angry if we all went out around ultras i do think it crushes the ego quite a bit and i mean both of us have lived in singapore we've been in finance fintech for a bit and it's always you go into a conference or whatnot and then you meet someone who has a big ego and then you most of the time they do iron man and you meet someone like you who is just at peace and quite friendly yes you do it in ultra running it's it's like you can really slap on the labels i mean labels are useful and also not useful at the same time but it it as someone who has done 50 or even 100k uh, they have learned all about life and about themselves uh, that's for sure yeah you know the phrase if you want to win a race run 100 meters if you want to find out who you are run 100 miles yeah i mean i'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie when i moved from singapore to vietnam i was on that mission let's let's kind of put work aside let's get out there 100k is is really what you need to do to dig deep and we all know those terms digging your pain caves on but you come out as a new person and and i think where some people go to burning man i say go to 100k and you have an equal experience after 100k than after burning man right um so yeah it's 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 a simple but it, no drugs involved that's great i mean the the, the drugs is uh, endorphins and cortisol and other things i think that's naturally induced it's amazing in america there are burning man type ultra events where people are running 100ks may or may not be taking some yeah. substances and but they're running hundreds of k's hundreds of miles in the desert uh, all of this stuff i you know i think there is some crossover you know so i used to surf and skate and i think the subculture i think trail fits into the subculture and i think ever since lockdown subculture is important finding yourself having your own time I, I think that's where trail comes from and it comes into the Red Bull, skate, surf, snowboard, you know, a little bit of rebel type thing. And that's the one thing I really hope. Marathon has become super mainstream. I just really hope that trail doesn't become so mainstream. Like it still needs to be grungy and skatey and weird a little bit. If it, you know, like while I'm so amazed that Ford cars use a trail runner to advertise i think that's great that we get an exposure i also don't want it to be like no don't pick on me for tennis like really like tennis you know to advertise things like what what happens if we get you know trail runners making 10 million dollars and oh, come on that don't sound like an old fart here i know let, let the let the world pass let it happen <laughs> this, this is the balance this is why there's two of us i could be the old yeah, yeah, be yeah. the old grumpy man in the corner <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's exciting. I think it's just natural evolution. I think it's what happens. It's it's good to have camps. It's good to have discourse. It's good to have a conversation about it. I think it just makes it all bigger and more exciting. And maybe in five years' time, we sit here talking about a different sport because trail, the commercialization of trail running has brought up a new trend, like something new, it's something, I don't know, we don't even know yet. It's, it, it's, it's it, We are right now. And again, I come back to that singular moment when Courtney was mobbed at, U, at yeah, UTMB I mean, that. And just to clarify, mobbed was more in a positive way. She was just carried up the mountain by the. For masses. all of you who have yeah. seen the Tour de France, that you know, the Tour de France is the most watched live sports event in the world. If you take the total crowd over the three weeks, 
And the UTMB used to have a couple of people on the trails. That one moment when, I don't know, thousands of people created that funnel tunnel for Courtney to go through. I mean, it was why that was the changing moment in our sport. I mean, we talked at that weekend and we were chatting the entire time. It was just, I, I was at dinner with my, with my, with my girlfriend at the time and uh, now my partner. And we, I could not focus on dinner because I had to watch the live stream. Uh, I was like, I need to do this right now. Well, talking about races, let's go to our race recap corner and uh, have a bit of a check-in what's going on in the, in the last few days or even right now in the race world. So we have, the, as you mentioned already earlier, the spine race going on. So what's happening there, Ned? What's going on in the spine so the race? The spine race is going on as we speak. For, for, for the listeners, the spine is called because it's like the backbone of the English mountains. It's 400K-ish, 350, 400K through the Pennines and the, the Lake District in the UK. It's become quite infamous because they do it in winter. Uh, it is nonstop. It's not a stage race. Uh, it is self-navigated, carry your own stuff. And right now, so it is 9.44 a.m. in Singapore, which means it is 2.44 a.m. I checked the weather, where the leaders are. It's minus nine centigrade and snowing hard. It, wow. it is tough stuff. Uh, so John Kelly has pulled out, unfortunately, the great John Kelly has pulled out. Uh, Pavel Polonsi, who is a multi-time great, is pulled out. In the lead is the tea snatcher, Damien Hall. For any of you who follow Damien Hall, he's known as the tea snatcher because he takes your tea because he likes cups of tea. He's a pretty great. He's, he, he, he finished four loops at Barclay. But the spine, I would say, you know, everybody claims, oh, we're the toughest race, right? The toughest race on earth. Oh, my God. I think I might vomit if one more race says they're the toughest race on earth. This is my old grumpy man in the corner. Um, uh, this one, the spine gets, it's certainly not, but it gets close. Uh, so right now we have maybe about two more days to go battling the snow, the high winds through the, the hills of, uh, the UK. Yeah. Damien Hall, group of three leading and, mm. and the greatest backyarder in Europe is leading the females. Claire Barnwarth from, Fr from France, who was the final remaining female at Big's Backyard, is now the leading female, I think, in about eighth overall, currently in the spine. Exciting. So I'm sure we're going to cover the final like, what, finisher week. list next Correct. week. We also had the Hurt 100 happening in Hawaii. Have you done this I race? I have not. It's a five-loop, 20-mile, super technical rate, jungle routes. And I think for these, for our listeners in Asia... If you're used to Vietnam mountain marathons or Philippine jungle races, Indonesian you know, jungle races, go to Hurt. It's apparently a lot of people find it very technical because it's in the jungle and you know, we're used to the jungle uh, and it's hot. We're used to the heat. So I actually think maybe a, one of the top Asian runners maybe should go to Hurt because it's, it's quite well. And it stands for Hawaii Ultra Running Trail Race or something, H-U-R-T, five loops. And the winner was Ihor Veres on the male side. Um, Ihor, for, again, I try not to bring everything back to backyard, but maybe it's just, just what I think. He was the assist to Harvey Lewis. So uh, mm. he, he won that, a very uh, humble young man. And here's the amazing thing. The average age of most winners in ultra 20 years ago was 40 and above. And big shout out to the second nation, Anthony Lee, a good friend of mine from Boulder, oh. uh, who came second, and he crushed his PR by five hours. What? So that's quite quite something. Yeah, Anthony Lee, some Asian American American runner to follow in, in Boulder, and again the third. Guess what? what? It has been a Japanese Michito Sawa, 
So that's also back to our, I guess, predictions for this year of the Japanese runners, which is also in the, and while that is great, to, I'm glad it's your friend that came second. And it also in that is that Candace Burt was there. Correct. Candace. And I'm just checking the result. I don't think she won the females. I think a lady called, uh, uh, Andrew, Andreas Taras, and, right? Correct. So Candace came third. Yeah. She also from Boulder. Yeah, in 29 hours and 40 minutes. And yeah. what Candace has done is taken out. So what you ask, we had this question, what happens to trail running? It gets commercialized. More and more people do it. But Candace has created this 200, 200 miles is a new 100 miles, right? Her mm. races sell out now. Her three races, Bigfoot, yeah. Tahoe, uh, can't remember the last one, Moab. She's selling out 200 mile races. 320k people like this is so i think trail to your question i think we start to get oversaturated in the 50k 50 miles 100k maybe 100 miles so what do we do just go to 200 miles right like and candace who also famously ran 50k a day for 200 days straight yeah that's i think that's just we're going to see more of those extreme feats of endurance performance uh incredible I, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, going to the road, we had a new world record being shattered uh, by Agnes Jebetnektic in Valencia. She ran a 10 kilometer road with twen- in 28 minutes and 46 seconds. Wow. I mean, that'd be, that'd be right now my maybe 7K <laughs> time. <laughs> you're, doing, but, uh, you're doing pretty good for 7K. Yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, incredible. I think we see more on the road. We see a lot of new records. Uh, it's not yet in Berlin, of course, you mentioned earlier, but the 10K, the male and female, the half marathons, people are crushing it. Do we feel, so I don't know how deep we want to get on this. In Ironman for a while, people were allowed these new skin suits, swimsuits, right? Which... Mm which mm. changed the friction of the water on your body and people were swimming way quicker, way quicker. Now, we all know that the Nike Zoom, whatever they're called, shoes 4% quicker. 4% is massive. Now, swimsuits were banned in the end. Road, now I don't think it's the same on the trails, right? Because if you're running Hurt 100 with all the routes and the trails that the, what do you, what, what's your thoughts on, on how equipment is changing? Because clearly shoes are making road running faster. I think it's a no brainer and it's strongly correlated. I saw some numbers, but I can't remember it. I need to figure it out again. Maybe for next show is how you can really see the, the step up in, or this, the speed has changed since those shoes have been introduced by Nike, Hoka, Adidas, who all are having these more thicker carbon plate shoes and it has made a massive difference in, in, in road running. So it's a bit like in Ironman, I believe you have a different suit, you have a better bike, you can make a difference in time. Road running now has, has, has evolved to new shoe development, which gives it another speed. The question is trail running, what's there to do to make you faster? Uh, you could argue not much. That's also what I love about it because you, whether you have better shoes or better poles or backpack nutrition, otherwise, you just got to do it. I think uh, it's, a, it's a, that's an, int- listeners, tell us, don't know, you know, you, you're, you'll find a way to connect with us. What is it? So I do, you know, road running, the shoes, I was an Ironman, you know, there was all this discussion about drafting and better bikes and, you know, for the longest time, which bars are you were allowed and all this type of stuff. And road running, clearly the shoes are faster, right? Springs in your shoes. It's a good question. 
I don't think, I can't think of anything in trail running. Clearly, and look, completely different subject, drugs in trail running, you know, you know, performance enhancing, EPO, steroids, all that crap, right? So just assume people aren't doing that because there's not enough money. Of course, when money comes, people will do that. But equipment-wise, maybe, I, I have an idea. This is not a good idea, so don't, don't anybody do this. I wonder if springy poles, I wonder if poles that had little little boosters in them, you know? People could, like, boost with their poles, but I think you would find that out pretty quickly. I think you're right. Trail running feels pretty pure. There's not much you could do to, apart from train more. I do think that in the trail running, it's, it's more about the things happening in training. So if you can be based in a place that is, of course, full of mountains, you're going to be better in the race. If you have a good coach that helps you with recovery, if you have technology that helps you with recovery. I mean, I think we see a lot of new devices and gear and equipment that uh, helping, especially with recovery. I think that's where if you recover faster, um, then you are better in training and then hence you're most likely better at racing. So I think that's a new world in training happening in, in trail running that will help you to race better. We see faster times there. I mean, there's no surprise that the warmth of the world crushing all these course records because there's a a team it's equipment it's it's a, it's a proper program around now where maybe 10 15 years ago you just live in a mountain you happen to live in a mountain so you got trail running and that's how UTMB started right you just run around the mountain and that's it but training doesn't really matter blah 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 it's really now it's like more money comes in more more team support is there more equipment is there I think that's gonna just that's gonna make a big difference in trail running. Um, my friend Valentine Orange was gonna race this this weekend uh, Vietnam Trail Marathon here, seventy k up in North Vietnam. He spent days and days hiking Himalayas, which has he said himself this was the best training he ever has done because he had time to go with Sangha Sherpa, another very big trail runner, to to the mountains. And if you live in a city and you don't really care about that, you would not have this training. But now it's possible to do, and yeah, you can hike in eight days and you have the best training. So I think those things will make a big difference in, in the years I to think come. It's, it's so true. Like, you know, and Valentine Orange is one of the, you know, the best amateur runners here and he's doing what he can. When you're listening to what's happening at UTMB, North Face has a chalet in Chamonix and athletes can just go and hang out. That's such a massive leap above, right? Sure, we're not up at basketball or soccer yet where there's multi but they just go to the chalet. You can live in Chamonix to do their thing, right? Like incredible, incredible, incredible access and ability that people have to, to do things. So yeah, maybe not equipment, but just the professionalism and money in the sport give people's time. I mean, and if we, and if we yeah. look at Asia, look at St. Maya, right? Clearly has all the ability. And now she's been enabled via the Asia North Face team to harness that potential. I think what we're saying is, a bit like Valentin Orange has just done, he's harnessing his potential. 100%. Do you see also trail running becoming more of a national sport in terms of the national sport federations starting to have a trail running team, putting funding in, maybe even doing talent support in the young ages, building up you know, like academies? What's happening there? Wow, that's a question. Holy crap, man. It's only yeah. I didn't. I didn't give it the no, question. No, it's good. This it's good. Surprise. It's good. Question. It's only at UTMB that people run with flags that I've noticed. Now, maybe maybe there's other races I don't know, but you don't see it at Western States. You don't see it at Leadville. You don't see it at UTMF. You don't. From what I can tell, you don't see it much. It's never been a nationalistic thing, right? Because it's very individual, right? You you try to run for yourself, and you know there's no and there's no team because there's no money, right? But 
But, but, it's a good question. You know, does it happen? Hmm. I don't. I don't think it gets on the radar of of of, of countries funding. Not for a while. Not for a while. I agree. I do think that carrying your flag is going to get more and more important. I think that happens in Asian races much more frequently. You have the Vietnam Marathon, which has 160 flags like, prepared before the finish line. So you can grab wow. your flag and run with it into the finish line. That is already a thing. I know that many other races do the same. I know that Philippines has now a national trail running team. It's not yet fully supported by the government, but they're starting to put together a team of, I think it's five or six trail runners who they say are going to support you. And I, again, if, if money is in the game, then governments will also follow. I, and I can see how it become maybe a, more of a yeah, national sport in Asia than maybe it's more of a grassroots sport in, in America where you're right. It's just really about who you are and what you do out there by yourself. And that's also, I think, a new development where like, Maybe the Asian governments realize, oh, interesting. How can we put our athletes out there as a new sport and build a program? You know what, Marcus? Your surprise questions started something. Maybe we should, because I don't, uh, do I think the American government's sports funding agency, and I know nothing about this, but I'm just going to say it because I, I often say stuff about things I know nothing about. But do I think the American government's going to start funding trail runners? No. But it's a really good point. Maybe that's the Asian opportunity. Like if there's a Philippines, like you said, I know you've been following it closely. Uh, you know, maybe we can get somebody from the sports council in the Philippines to talk about this. Is that our opportunity that the government start to sponsor? Because you're right. I think I did see some footage from the Vietnam Mountain Marathon last year. People were carrying flags. Maybe that's it. And you're right. When I look at people from Asia going to races, there is quite a nationalistic thing, right? Now, Completely different topic. I don't like nationalism. I think we're all humans and we should all love each other as humans. I don't care where you're from. But in ultra, it seems to be done with love, not with other stuff. And so maybe that, do you think maybe that's the Asian way that for trail running, that there may well be government support here? At least I would encourage it. We all know that Sport SG, Sport Singapore has put a lot of funding into building up this huge sport hub in Singapore. And if Singapore decides something, we know it comes big times. I can see that our governments might follow. Uh, and and it will matter of time. I'm, I'm hopeful there, and I think that could happen, uh, where maybe the funding doesn't come in yet from corporate so much, starting here and there. But if governments see an opportunity for marketing or exposure to the world as a, let's say, Vietnam or Singapore or Philippine trail running team, why not? We Vietnam, how hard? She came, what, four, she over, four, four. Fourth, by literally a few minutes okay, or seconds. so she's yeah. top in the world. And again, Vietnam's an amazing country. But how many sports is Vietnam vying for top spot in the world? Not many, right? Not many sports, right? And uh, Sunmaya Buddha from Nepal, how many sports is Nepal at the top? And of course, I'm going to throw a little hand in the ring. Here's me not being nationalistic, but, you know, Joshua Toe from Singapore did 72 laps and came 20th in the world in backyard. Like Singapore's, we, maybe we punch above our weight. Come, you know, there is no, it's, it's, it's smaller numbers, but this is it. You know, maybe we should talk about this more, think about this more, encourage it. You know, uh, here's the great phrase, Marcus. Never doubt that a small group of determined people can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has, right? And throwing in something else here as well, which is we haven't really talked about at this stage, but it's a whole like live streaming, live viewing. And that is a huge commercial opportunity. We all know that 
least you know I see it here in our parts of the world how much phones and live streams are used in Asia. I followed UTMB closely. You and I did closely. The amount of Asian streaming in and commenting was incredible. So again, follow the money. Follow the money where where live streaming is a commercial opportunity. And if if that's going to just increase where people are watching, and we also know Asia Trail Masters is another event series here in, in, in Asia who's live streaming. I saw the numbers. They're really increasing and growing a lot last year. Again, opportunities for corporates and governments to get in because live streaming is just the new, the media platforms which bring in more viewership, bring in more money, bring in more attention. For any of you who are new to trail running and think what the, the, the live streaming that you see at UTMB now is normal, it's not. It's incredible. It's amazing. Watching Zach and Jim come down the hill at the end, the people running after them. It's my, I don't know if you watch, there's live stream of 200 mile races, five day live streams. They're doing five day live streams. Like it's, of course, we all know that our phones have changed the world and everything. It's so true, right? And you're right. There's no bigger consumers of live stream than Asia, right? This is, oh, yeah. this is where oh, yeah. is. we will consume I mean, it's, it's fascinating. more than yeah. anybody else. So it's a good point. I think we're at this, this point, which is going to be incredible. Yeah. But a lot of races. It is great to see. Yeah. That's even why you and I spent time recording a podcast because we're so curious and so intrigued by all this, uh, this inflection point. So, dear audience, now we have a little golden nugget for you. This is called Ned's Weekly Drop where our dear friend Ned, who is running a lot, is writing down all his running thoughts. And we will have him read out his weekly drop to us. So why, Ned, why don't you kick it off and wrap up this wonderful first episode with your weekly drop? Thank you, Marcus. I appreciate it. I'm going to do that. I will just give 30 seconds of context. I'm not a, I don't love writing, but when I, I've done a lot of races, and I used to write after races, and I found a style of writing. Forgive those for everybody who find my sentences too short. I write in a fairly, what in music is called staccato, which means just little piece by little piece. It's more because it's a stream of consciousness that comes to me as I run, and then I write it down. So these are not race reports, although I have done a whole bunch of those. These are just general thoughts. I'm going to start with the first one I wrote, The Way of the Why, which was the first one I sent. So forgive, because I am going to read it, so I won't be staring directly at the camera. But it's five or ten minutes, five minutes, I would say. So here we go. All right. It's called The Way of the Why. I hope you enjoy, people. You know when people say never again, or I don't know why I do this during a race? They do know. We all know. You know, right? We don't have to do it. No one makes us. So why do we do it? Because we are lucky enough to have the resources and the time to willingly suffer. Because nature is us. And endurance in nature makes us more us. Because it's an art form, not just on Strava. Because suffering is soul enhancing. Because it makes us superhuman. Because it's beautiful. I heard someone called endurance sports only for people who are weird. He didn't mean what you think. He meant this. Western, educated, industrial, rich democracies. Only people who are extremely fortunate in life have the luxury to be able to partake in what is essentially a survival activity turned into a game. It's what Courtney always says. This is a game. Let's play. 
And the game is spreading. Economically, more and more people have the economic freedom to enable them to indulge in willing suffering via endurance. And that's a good thing. Because when life gets too comfortable, we don't grow. We're in a time where so many more people want to experience this lifestyle. There has never, ever been a time like this. Well, maybe that's not true. The biggest spectator sport in 1880 in New York was pedestrianism. At Madison Square Gardens, athletes would take part in six-day races, six days of nonstop walking loops of the famous sports arena. Crowds of 20,000 people would watch and gamble in, on the outcome. The athletes were superstars, and then it died, only to come back again now. Courtney, Killian, Sorokin, modern-day pedestrians scaling the heights so we can all dream and suffer and indulge in this life-giving activity. Long may this current wave continue, because as a planet, we'll all get better when we all experience this great joy. So when you are asked why you do this, say, because I'm lucky, because you really are, to be able to do this at this time right now. See you out there, Ned. Thank you, Ned. And I'm lucky to have recorded this first episode with you. Thank you so much. All good. So fun. I could talk about this one. I just realized that's true. We call it one more K because we believe that it's a very important mental approach to a race, just to or training. One more K, one more K. There is a finish line. Just keep it up. Well, it's been a pleasure for the first one. So if you guys like it, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, one more K. We are going to release this podcast on all available platforms. And also, if the video is good enough for this one, we're going to be on YouTube. In any case, we have a newsletter we can subscribe to. You can read Ned's weekly drop there. It's, uh, you can subscribe on our website, onemorek.com. And of course, you can listen to the episode also on the website. Any feedback, any ideas, it's always welcome. Again, this is the first step on a very long uh, mountain race, endurance race. But it's, it's been fun. Thank it you, It has Ned. been so fun. Thank you, man. Thank you. See you next week.